0: Hello, welcome to the Real Answers podcast. We're back with Chris Zizza, president of CNR Flooring up in Boston, who is giving us some life lessons out of his 33 years of working in the wood flooring industry, owning his own business. And today we're going to talk about planning your end game. So Chris, when did you start thinking about what you wanted to have as a succession plan for your business?
1: You know what? Uh, My end game is something I probably never thought about when I was in my 20s. And so those of you that are listening, where your company is, well, forget if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, if your company's new, you should always be planning your end game. And that's something I missed early on in my career. You know, when's the best time to plan your end game? Now, yesterday, you should have already already started. And I don't care if you have two employees, I don't care if you have 30 employees. You run it like a corporation, you have a better chance of building a business that's saleable down the road. And what does that mean? What's a saleable business? I realize that if you're listening to this, you think, well, I'm going to sell my company, I'm going to take my check, and I'm going to leave. That's actually not 100% accurate. That's one way to do it. You built a business, it's recognizable, and you sell it for typical business sense, three, four, five times earnings. Yeah, I don't know that that's going to be too typical for all of us out there in the wood flooring world, but I want to explain that there are other options. For example, in 2000, I sold CNR flooring. I opened it in 86. I built it up to a certain level, and then I sold it to a private equity firm, which also owned a millwork company. But in the sale of that business, they also gave me a five-year employment contract to stay on as president. So realize that I got paid. And then I also got a job, and I learned how to run a business. So it's kind of ironic that we're sitting here doing these podcasts, but I wouldn't be able to do these podcasts if I didn't live through that transaction and that education I got from the private equity firm that bought us.
0: Tell us a little bit about that. What What exactly did you learn going through that experience of selling your business?
1: The first thing I learned was how to be a good employee. That was the first time after leaving Aldo Vergentic Flooring, you know, back in 87, 88. I never had another boss, and now I'm 34 years old, and I had peers that said, don't sell the company, you'll never be able to work for somebody. Well, I was able to work for somebody because I'm a professional. And, but what did I learn outside of that? I learned about financials. We monitored the company on a monthly basis, and I had to sit in meetings and read through the financial pages uh, and understand what, you know, the cost of everything we did. And that I learned about margin. So it was a hell of an education. And we expanded the business. I learned about growth. We had a spin-off company when Dustless Floor Sanding really hit hit the industry back in 2004. We were the first company in New England to open Dustless Floor Sanding using an evacuation process. It was still in the industry, but we were the first ones locally to do it, and we ran an ad campaign against that. Years later, when I bought CNR Flooring back, they wanted to keep the dustless company and sell me back the original installation business, and we did do that. So, realize that CNR Flooring was built, sold, bought back. Uh, We had a spinoff company, that part was sold again, and so these transactions can happen all the time. But again it goes back to what I've been saying from, you know, podcast 1, you got to run a professional company. The other thing about planning your end game, some of you guys uh, I don't maybe you already think this way. I never did when I was in my early 20s regarding not not necessarily health, but more You beat up your body. We're like pro athletes in the wood flooring industry. And you take too many tackles, and eventually you should be thinking about becoming a coach. Well, it's the same thing about installing hardwood floors. You know, you can only install for so long, and then you got to think about becoming a manager. Okay? I like the sports analogy, so become a coach. And teach other guys to install and sand and let them work under you. When you're building a business that way, one of the things to consider is succession. Some of you may have, you know, sons or daughters that are going to come rented in the business and your succession will be that your kids take over your life's work and pay you on the way out. But other guys, you, you know, you might just have great employees. I've got a few that I have my eye on that I think are going to be able to take the torch and continue on. And so maybe you elevate somebody from within to do more work for the company they start managing some of your tasks. You start playing a little more golf, maybe travel a little, and they pay you, but you're not working as hard anymore. So that kind of a succession plan is also part of planning an end game. But you can't give away the farm and these got to these be guys that you're going to trust. But if you built the culture of your company the right way, it's going to work. I'm a believer, so you, know, you have to have faith and you have to have trust. The other thing to think about some people in the business world don't believe in real estate. I can tell you that McDonald's secret isn't hamburgers. The secret of McDonald's is that they own the real estate. McDonald's is a real estate company that sells hamburgers. I like to think of sometimes in our little small world that CNR Flooring is a flooring company that owns a commercial building. That commercial building is going to be part of my end game. It's grown in significant value since I first bought it. And it's taken years to pay it off. But what you might not be aware of is the SBA, Small Business Association, go to your bank. There are programs that help small businesses buy property. So you need to run your business out of the property. And we did that. We qualified to buy this commercial building with such a small deposit. Years later, this building has grown in wealth and that's helping our end game. So think a little bit about that. There's a lot of things. Find yourself a good mentor and build on some of these ideas. These are all things that play into the end game.
0: So if there's a business out there right now trying to plan their end game, what advice would you give them? To and First of all, where to start? And secondly, a bigger overarching piece of advice.
1: So where would I start if uh, I were going to start planning my end game? Probably the same place I did start when I started planning my end game, which was with goals. And when you set the goals for your company, there's there's an array of what you could call your goals. You can have one-year goals, three-year goals, a five-year plan. Uh, but understand what we're going to try to do when you have those goals. Back when we started thinking about owning our own business, we saved money towards it. The goal was to raise enough capital to buy the building. We bought the building. Some of the other goals we have is to participate with... Other NWFA certification is important to me, but we also have NARI, the National Association of Remodeling Industry. And and uh, so I'm a big participant with that. Matter of fact, I know that one of our other board of directors at the NWFA, Steve Bratton in Kansas City, he's a NARI member. And so I know he draws business from NARI. I draw business from NARI in Boston. So realize that's a national organization of remodelers, which is a pipeline to building your business because if they participate, you participate. Everything's about growing sales. So your goals can be what organizations am I going to get involved in next? And how am I going to use that to grow my business and my reputation and my brand? Other goals could be right now, I'm at, and this isn't me right now, but hypothetically anyone out there, let's say you're at 900,000 in annual sales, which Uh, There was a business out there in our industry that I was helping coach, and that actually was where he was uh, for like three or four years in a row. And he kept calling me. We were tracking his sales on a monthly basis, and he was definitely going to hit the million-dollar mark. That was his goal. Matter of fact, he didn't make it. He came in at 986, and I was kind of pissed off. (laughs) I'm thinking, you could have called me, and I would have bought something from you (laughs) for 14 grand because you have to hit your goals It feels really good when you hit your goals, guys. So strive towards meeting them. If you're two weeks out from your million dollar mark and you're fourteen grand short, have a sale. Make the goal so then you can set your sights on another goal. And so that's what we did to build CNR flooring. First, that we focused on sales goals. It was a million mark, it was a million five. We were going for two and a half million. We're going for $3.5 and, and I'm not just fictitiously throwing out numbers. Make your goal and go after them. Now, after you make your goal, think about how do I get there? How many guys do I need to do $750,000 in sales? I would tell you, based on my knowledge of the industry and my marketplace, that's a two-truck operation. If it's a three-truck operation, everybody's not busy every day. But two trucks are banging 750 dollars easy numbers. And if you want to get to a million, add a truck and sell more floors. It's that simple. You can break everything down into a formula. And if you've never sat down and tried to, it's not that hard, guys. Let's think about how much can we install in a day? How much can you sand in a day? What does that cost? Let's go to five day week, go to a six day week. You know, when you start thinking about growth and how big is big enough, these are all things that play into our end game. If you only do $750 a year, you're probably not going to sell that company. You're probably going to earn out to it. You're going to let one of your guys take it over, and he's going to pay you a certain amount of money until you guys are even. But if you build a company that turns a profit of you know a couple hundred thousand a year— That's not a huge company, but it's a good company, and you probably pick up a million dollars when you sell that company as long as, you know, the math all works. That's just simple business. So how do we get there? you got to set those goals, and you have to know, understand your costs. And, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself because when we go down into further podcasts, we're going to talk about these things. But again, this also goes back to when we started the podcasts with always be a professional. These are the things. Set your goals. It's and So a full, would,
0: you, would you share those with your employees as well so that you were working as one unit toward that goal? Or did you know what the goals were and where they needed to be?
1: So great question. And with my guys, I never shared our sales goals. And there's a reason for that. You could do, any business could tell you this, you could do $2 million and be losing money. Right. So... All your employee is going to hear is that you're doing $2 million and what's his cut. So you got to be careful about what you share. But I, I always did share. So when we bought the company back in 2009, after I sold in 2000, 2009 was the year I bought it back. We used the bank's money to buy it back. So the company was in debt. And I explained to all the guys, we're in debt. And I'm the one on the hook because I signed the note. And it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so I told everyone, we had a five-year plan to buy out this debt. And when we finished, everybody was getting raises. And they all bought into that. And we worked towards it. And I let them know every year what was left in the debt. Because the option was, buy the company back, everybody keeps their job, or... They fold up the company because it was 2007, 2008 when they started thinking about this in a downturned economy, and they were just going to close it, which meant all my guys lose their job, and well, I'll just move on. I was going to be fine. I sold the company nine years ago. No, wasn't good enough for me or my guys. We bought back, and we bought into the debt together, and when we cleared the debt, they all got raises. It was actually a good day.
0: In addition to the details of the debt, what else would you recommend sharing with your employees as you, as you build your company?
1: I've never run the company on bad news. I try to run it on good news. And we have a thing, it's a tactic that we have at CNR Flooring. It's called the list. And so some of you guys out there listening to this, uh, you know, you may be aware of this because I've taught it in a few of my classes. But the list is simply put, every call that comes into the company usually is job related. Sometimes it's a lead. So we handle the lead, but other times it's a customer with a question or a complaint. And that goes onto the list, whatever the content of the call was goes on the list. And then once a month we get together as a team and we go, the agenda for the meeting is the list. And let's say one of the customers called in and said, where are your guys? I was told they'd be here at eight 30. It's now quarter of 10. So the late arrival went on the list, and then we talked to the crew. Why didn't you call us? Why didn't you call the customer? No communication was the problem there, and it's on the list. Now, the one rule we have about the list is the same item better not be on that list two months in a row because you have to correct the wrong behavior. That's why we do the meeting. That's why we have the list. And, yes, also we reward the good behavior. So the list could also consist of your guys were so good. We're so happy. The quality was great. Everybody was so nice. And then, you know, we'll get an email or whatever. And we read that to the team during the list reading. And so that's been a management tool that we've had in place for a while. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys out there and say we're perfect. Uh, You know, there's been times you get caught up in your own busy schedule. And, you know, we've gone a whole quarter and haven't had a list meeting. But then you start to see things slide. And Cheryl, my VP, and I will say, it's time for a meeting you know, and we'll make a list because we know what's been wrong and we know when you start to slide. So communication, you need your support team. My office staff is fantastic. I'm very lucky to have them.
0: So we've talked about one year, three year, five year goals. So all of that's really built around growth, right? Yeah. So when you're talking about growth, where do you draw the line? When do you say big enough is big enough?
1: You know, it's it's funny when you ask how big is big enough? because I've had some really great mentors in my life and I remember one of them his name was Sal Balsamo and I remember he had a very large company well they hit a milestone of 7 million dollars a week in sales and I went up to him we we're at a fundraiser did a lot of charity over the years and I met a lot of great people case in point do charity guys because here's where I met one of my mentors several of my mentors actually so I said to Sal, hey, I heard you hit a milestone you know this, this week. Congratulations. And his answer was, yeah, now all we need is eight. I walked away from him thinking, what a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not really a psycho, but I was shocked. First of all, I was in my 20s and a million dollars a day. I, I couldn't fathom what, it, what you must do to sell a million dollars a day. But I also believe that if I sold a million dollars a day, I'd probably retire by Wednesday. And this right. guy said, all we need now is eight. Well, several years later, I was with Sal and Marco Island, and I told him that story of when he hit the seven million, and he said, all we need is eight. And then he rattled back, you'll know what the goal now is. And I said, uh, no, I don't. What's the goal? And it was... I can't remember the exact number because this is going way back in the, in the way back machine here. But it was like nine point something was the goal. And I must have had a blank look on my face because he said to me, you don't even know what that is, do you? And I said, no, what is it? He goes, that's a billion. And his, his goal was a billion a year. And so how big is big enough? My answer is going to be as big as you can stomach. What do you want out of it? You don't always have to keep growing. I'll tell you right now, we don't do over 5 million a year and my goal is to not do over 5 million a year. I'm very comfortable with CNR flooring sales. I'm very comfortable with the size of the company and the position we're in. So what I want to do is manage our current level to the most profitable level I can with great quality. And quality of life for my team. I really do believe that. Uh, I think that's going to be the key to the succession for CNR flooring in our end game. And so, if, if I want you guys to walk away from this podcast today with anything, I'd like to give you a couple tasks to think about. Let me ask you this or ask yourself Do you have an organizational chart? Do you even know what an organizational chart is? Well, it's like one of those trees and, you know, it starts with the CEO and then you go to the president and then over on the left branch, you've got your vice presidents and on the right side, you have your sales team, just Google organizational chart and take a look at one, draw one for your company and put the names at the different positions. You know, who's doing estimating, who's doing selling, who's installing, who reports to who trust me. It's okay if you are on the first five pieces, if you're a small company, because in the early days of CNR, our org chart said Chris everywhere. Doesn't say that anymore, but it also tells me how I can grow different departments. So I'd like you to start an organizational chart. The other thing I'd like you to do is create tasks that you'll go after on a regular basis. And by that, I mean, what day are you going to do collection calls? And do them, if it's Tuesdays, do them every Tuesday. Because you got to get into a routine. So set up your routine. When are we doing scheduling? When are we doing estimates? When am I doing purchasing? Because remember, we're a professional company. We're a real business. And this is what real businesses do. You set these things up and you follow a schedule. And I'd also like you to try to come up with your tagline. Remember, I said earlier in a podcast, mine is quality and integrity you can count on. What's yours going to be? I think you should think of that. And these are things that are going to help identify your company over the years. These are things that when people say, oh, I use CNR flooring. And they're going to tell a story about it because the culture of your guys and you know, how they wipe their feet, how they take their shoes off, how they hang plastic if they have to hang plastic, how they moved furniture. Wait, you guys move furniture? Yeah, we move furniture. You know why we move furniture? Because it's in the way. We don't charge to move furniture out of the way, but we do charge to put it back. So understand, there's a way to do the tasks that none of us want to do. I know so many of you guys that we talk at convention and you say, I'm not moving furniture. No, they can get it out of the way or we're not coming. It's the wrong attitude, my friend. Let's move the furniture out of the way. Let's do the job, get the sale, make the money, and charge them to put the furniture back. That's what we do. You'd be surprised how much money we make for putting furniture back. Because the way I explain it, listen, I'd love to put your furniture back, But the polyurethane's wet. So while we didn't charge you to move it out, I'm going to have to send a crew here dedicated just to the task of moving your furniture back. For that, I'm going to have to charge. Uh, Or I have this list of local movers that I could recommend to you. In any scenario, this plays out that I'm a professional and that I'm running a really good company that has options for our clients. Think about that. Thanks,
0: Chris. Can we we revisit for some reason, and I want to talk a little bit about the reasons you've identified 5 million as sort of your, your sweet spot that you don't want to protrude past that. And I'm assuming if they're ramping up the size of the business, then you have to have more crews, you have to have more trucks. Is there, is there something in your mind that makes that your, your spot to play to?
1: Yeah, there's a couple. First of all, if I hit that 5 million mark, I need more staff internally. So let's talk about those levels. At I said earlier, $750,000 is a two truck operation that the owner is running the company himself. He probably doesn't have a bookkeeper. There's no need. Okay. But a million one, million two, you probably have somebody in the office helping you. And you probably have three trucks. And you're probably leaning on one of you guys a little bit too. A uh, million seven, you definitely have a staff. If you don't, I bet you're stressed. Okay, if you're that guy doing a million five million seven right now and you don't have any help in the office, I bet your wife's mad at you. I bet you missed a couple little league games. And so each of the levels that we're talking about comes with a price to pay. And it's been my experience as I've examined additional sales goals for CNR that five million is going to require probably a sales manager and a salesman. Right now, I do most of the sales and I have a salesman and I have a vice president in the office who also does the scheduling. We have an independent bookkeeper and we have a receptionist. And that balance works really well with our current sales level. And if we go higher, we're going to need another truck, another crew, and then to feed that animal in February, say when we're slow or during a slow time you need salesmen which here's the next part that means you need marketing which means I've now got to have an advertising budget so it's all about the different sales levels requiring different things to feed the animal and right now we're we're not on cruise control but it works at the level we're at
0: well thanks chris it was great to talk to you about how you're planning your end game what that looks like and how uh, some of our members can learn from that and start working on some of their own plans. So with that, we're going to wrap this one up and we'll be back with another podcast soon.